This podcast is brought to you by EnergyX. Are you tired of paying huge rates to the big cloud providers? Are you worried about being booted off a cloud platform if your company doesn't meet their ever-shifting standards? Ready to step up your data security and disaster recovery game? Well, ladies and gentlemen, your new cloud is ready. Introducing xCloud, the scalable, resilient computing cloud that is also actually affordable. It's high-performance compute for half the cost. HPC for HTC. xCloud from Red Team is opening a beta program for new cloud computing customers, and that means you, my friend. The xCloud is powered by the XMDC Immersion Cooled Modular Data Center from EnergyX. I've seen this data center in operation, and it is a total game changer. So if you want more information about the beta launch, go to the URL in the description. Type in promo code BETA, B-E-T-A, for 50% off of your first instance. And so the URL is going to be digitalwildcutters.com forward slash energy. X. This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is up, Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of Rolling Ass Startups Podcast. Today, I got my buddy, Matt, Matt, uh, 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 I can't speak today, Matt Albert with Tachius. Sorry, guys, I had way too much coffee this morning and I'm having a hard time articulating what I am thinking. But Matt, you're here in Houston, your CFO, CRO at Tachius. I'm excited to talk today. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, maybe I'll talk a little bit about Tachius and sort of how it's changed since the last time. We were on the show. Yeah, we had you guys on the podcast three, four years ago. And so I'm sure a ton has changed. Um, but really quickly for anybody who's listening who's not familiar with you guys, high level, like what is you guys do? Sure. So Tachius has two main verticals. One is focused on using data physics to basically operationalize reservoir simulation in a way that hasn't been done before. Insofar as looking at building models in days or weeks as opposed to months or longer for secondary and tertiary oil production. So think like water flood, steam flood, CO2 flood, polymer flood, where we're able to build a model very quickly. You're able to then use that model to run a bunch of, I don't know, what if scenarios? You know, what if my injector shuts in? What if I change my injection rates across different my different injectors? And then ultimately get to an optimization. We've published a bunch of SPE papers and EAGE papers um, with our clients where we show anywhere between a five to 15% increase in, in oil production and in some cases even a five to fifteen percent increase in, in reservoirs as well based on the on the sweep of the water flood. So that's 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 our core or fundamental vertical. I would say it's our flagship product. That's how the company was founded. It's what's been around for a long time. Um concept behind it was always to to bring AI to the the oil and gas industry. And I, and I think, you know, I'm sure you'll agree the industry's gotten better in the last decade. We're still not aerospace or defense, but we are better than we were. So we're significantly better in the last five months and even particularly in the last six months. No. I mean, five, five years in the last six months. Uh, and, and it's funny because, you know, all, we've been doing AI for a decade, but, you know, November comes around, ChatGPT is out. And I start talking to customers like, hey, you guys do AI? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, like ChatGPT? <laughs> not, not quite, but is it free? No, no, not, not, not free. <laughs> so, so there's that. And then the other vertical we've got is we have a, a greenhouse gas product. Uh, we call it Orion. And, you know, there's a lot of products out there today that, that track emissions in some form or fashion. Um, and we do that too, you know, scope one, scope two, scope three. And we've, we've sort of productized 
the EPA reporting, if that's if that's your thing, we've sort of turned in EPA reporting, we've turned it into TurboTax, which I think is really helpful because today there's a cottage industry of companies out there, mostly consultants that, you know, come January one, they hire a consulting firm to come in, the EMP does, and hey, they spend three months figuring out what the emissions were and they report it. Because if you emit more than 25,000 metric ton, independent of industry, you have to report to the EPA. I don't know, 20 odd percent of that's oil and gas. The rest is things like you know manufacturing, construction, agriculture. You get the point, waste mm. management. So we've made that process a lot easier. But really the, the thesis behind the product is today companies have teams of people that monitor daily production and they forecast out future production. We believe for regulatory reasons or otherwise, soon enough, companies will have teams of people that monitor daily emissions and forecast out future emissions. And, and Orion lets them do that, and it's a software-only solution. And it's cool because you think about it from a field development planning perspective, and that's what excites me. So you know, that's sort of what the, the two main verticals the company has. Um, the, main, the main change, and I, you know, I have a lot of respect for the guys who started Tachius and frankly, a lot of gratitude because I have a job because they were able to go out and, <laughs> and, and, and raise a bunch of money on, on, a, on a good idea. Um, that said, in, 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 in late 2020, uh, Fernando Gutierrez, who's our CEO, took over. And when he took over, we had uh, one client on an expiring contract and basically no revenue. And I'm not making that up, like literally no revenue. I mean, part of that was COVID related, in fairness. And part yeah. of that was just some, some, some challenges that we'd had. Uh, and Fernando came in and, and said, look, let's just take a step back here and think about who we are as a company. We're not a product-based company. We need to be a sales-based company. And Fernando, like most of us, come out of Schlumberger or SLB. And so, you know, we have a, we're service company guys with a service company focus. And we've really tailored our business to deliver for our customers. And as a result of that, now we have dozens of customers and, you know, lots of revenue. We always want more revenue, don't get me wrong, but we've grown the business at over 100% a year every year and we're well into the seven figures at this point. And, I, and, and we're continuing to grow and our outlooks are really positive. But I think that's the main change is that we went from being run by folks that were super bright and really understood the, the technology space and the call it Silicon Valley space to folks who come out of the oil and gas space and have mm -hmm. sold software to oil companies. And we moved our headquarters from the Bay Area to Houston because this is where our clients are. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the CTO, uh, Dr. Palav Sarma, is a PhD out of Stanford and, and basically, you know, reservoir engineering, petroleum engineering, operational engineering, whatever you want to call it, operations management, I think is technically what it's called. Um, is one of the guys that was around from the beginning. But apart from Palov, you know, it's, it's mostly folks that were maybe already in Tachyus, but weren't at a senior management level. And I think that's been the big change and something that I'm really proud of. Uh, one thing we didn't have before was the Orion product. We didn't have a greenhouse gas product at all. And we're not political folks, but when the new administration came on, we thought, well, you know, oil and gas might go from being the redheaded stepchild to kicked right out the family. Because, um, you know, the new administration in 2021 was talking about, you know, mm -hmm. energy transition and getting rid of everybody entirely in the oil and gas space. And it's, it's, somewhat, it's somewhat ironic because, you know, oil and gas accounts for 42% of global emissions or something like that. So just kicking it to the curb and not wanting to work on improving it 
didn't make a whole lot of sense to us. I mean, sure, we're biased, we're oil and gas guys. But when I look around any room I'm sitting in, most of the things in the room are hydrocarbon. So the notion that it's going away in the next two years, look, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it doesn't seem overly likely, let's say. Yeah. And so we wanted to come up with sort of a pragmatic approach to the energy transition. And look, our, our, our flagship products, they help companies to reduce the amount of water that they're pumping down hole or the amount of steam or the amount of CO2. It helps them to increase their production and their reserves. And you, know, you think about what is the highest emitting part of upstream oil and gas? Well, it's drilling. So if I can get more oil out of an existing reservoir without having to drill a new well, that actually has a material impact on emissions. And then as we built out the, green, the greenhouse gas product, Orion, we did it in conjunction with our clients. And what we found is basically that the product developed sort of three modes. The first mode is the other products out there in this space were not built for oil and gas. So there's plenty of products out there that do stuff. And I'm sure a lot of them are good. But the guys running it don't know the difference between a, a, a mandrel and a manifold. And mm. that can be challenging, right? If you don't understand the pieces of equipment that are in the field and how it's used. And then we built a data management sort of mesh where we can sort of map into whatever the, the company's production system is. So, you know, WellView, SiteView, Intersight, Peloton, SAP Oracle pull out all the data and then we can auto-populate this, this product we've got, which allows you to do things like, you know, report to the EPA with a lot more simplicity. We also then have that field development side of forecasting. And today, you know, when, when oil and gas companies forecast emissions, it's something like this. They say, well, you know, last year I had 50,000 barrel a day production and I had 100,000 metric ton of emissions. Well, this year I'm going to have 60,000 barrel a day production. So it's going to be 120,000 metric ton of emissions. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that's right and maybe it's not, but it doesn't give you any tangible way that you can make decisions to reduce your, 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 your carbon intensity or your methane intensity, your methane footprint, your carbon footprint, whatever. What we focused on was helping companies to say, going to a really granular level. So think like, facility like well pad or single well battery or even to the component level if they're so inclined and be able to say things like you know what if i took 100 pneumatics and i went from low bleed devices to high bleed devices or i went from high bleed to no bleed what does that do to my my emissions what if i electrify my fleet Look, I know that my CO2 is coming from my flare stack, and I know that my methane is coming from my pneumatics or my combustion, my combustion equipment, but, but what combustion equipment and which flare stacks? Maybe so I this, don't know that. So this isn't just, oh, I'm going to just quantify, like, quantify exactly what my emissions are. This is more like modeling to say, if I do this, this is the outcome from that so that you can accurately project what your emissions are going to be. That is exactly right. So okay. we look at things like, you know, what if I drill 100 new wells? What does that do? What if I buy an asset? What if I divest an asset? So if you're in, you know. It is a big consideration on the M&A side now. It's, right. It's exactly yeah. right. So if you think if you're, if you're at a big PE shop and you're thinking about, you know, multiple different plays that you could invest in, maybe you're going to look at the one in the Utica instead of the Bakken because the Utica has a lot less emissions. Maybe you're not. I mean, the economics have to work out. And that goes back to the underlying sort of thesis around Tachyus, which is, 
everything we do is focused on the economics and helping companies to make profitable decisions. I mean, that we want companies to maximize profits because we believe that the only way that we're actually going to see this, you know, impact from, you know, reducing emissions, et cetera, is by making profitable decisions. Look again, maybe everyone likes a pie in the sky, right? And, and it'd be great if cold fusion comes tomorrow and everything goes away. I just, I don't see it. So what can we do in the meantime to have a real impact? And so, you know, the, the other cool thing I would say is that our flagship products we call Acheon, which again is water flood and steam flood and CO2 flood. Um, it's a complicated thing. I mean, it, you need to be a reservoir really an engineer or, or have years of experience with reservoir models and simulators to understand data physics and really get into it. And, you know, Dr. Sarma created this thing and frankly, he's a lot smarter than me. I came up through the oil and gas industry. I spent years at Schlumberger, sorry, SLB and then, and then Enbridge. Um, so I've got almost 20 years in the, in, in the industry. A lot of that time was spent in the field. I understand what's going on at the subsurface. I still am not one of the people who's running this tool. However, on the greenhouse gas side, even little old me can figure out how to run it. And I think that's a cool thing, right? We built something that's usable for anybody. You know, you don't need to be a super smart engineer, uh, which is great because I'm not a super smart engineer, <laughs> right? So it's, it's great. So I know that, that that's obviously one of the hottest topics right now. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with UPs recently that are focused on that. And they're really trying to wrap their heads around this space, right? There's just a lot of new things that are popping up, uh, tools like you guys. There's also like third party, you know, certifications and uh, ratings. And then you look at the actual technology, like in the field from detection to quantification to what y'all doing with like forecasting, it's a lot, you know, and it's a lot to, to really kind of feel like, how do you build like your emissions tech stack, right? So with y'all, so imagine like say I'm an EMP quarterly operating and I'm using this, is it, like, how much work goes into like setting that up? Cause I feel like you're having to, cause you're talking about individual uh, devices and pieces of equipment and stuff at every individual site. So like, is it a, crazy kind of like onboarding prices no it's a great question no no it's, it's a great question and one that we, we we deal with generally so a bit of a longer answer to a short question is one of the biggest challenges that that any software company in any industry has is is getting the data and getting access to the data um and oftentimes the challenge is that the data is just not easily accessible it's not just all one excel file somewhere right it's going to be in you know, multiple business systems. It's going to be on an Excel file on someone's laptop in Lafayette, Louisiana. And like, how do you, some of it's in somebody's brain. Like, how do you get to all that? What I can tell you, we've got clients that are, you know, smaller operators. We've got mid-sized operators and we've got, you know, multi-billion dollar EMPs that are using this platform. Nobody's got pristine data. Nobody. I can, I can confirm that. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's the first fear that we run into with people. It's like, well, you know, I'm not sure our data is good enough yet for this. And it's a totally valid concern. Yeah. Absolutely. And what we say is, look, you're right. You probably don't have great data, but there's a couple of things. First of all, we've gotten pretty good at this because we've built everything out on the same stack that we use on the reservoir simulation side or the reservoir, the data physics side. 
keep in mind that like, that's a lot more data. You're talking about five, 10, 15, 50 years worth of production history that we run through these simulators, right? That we, to build these models out. So it's we're really, really good at data management and optimization. That's our, that's our core business. We've been doing it for a decade. That's what we use the machine learning and the artificial intelligence to do. You know, we, we honor the physics, we use machine learning. That's what we do on the, on the, on the reservoir side. On the greenhouse gas side, we take that same expertise and the same machine learning models that we've built and we figured out a way to get to the customer data. So to answer your question, it's not an overnight sensation. We don't just turn it on. But we've got a client, uh, I think one of our more recent ones, we did about 4,000 facilities in about eight weeks. Damn. So we figured out a way to get it done, but that goes back to that proprietary data mesh we built. It takes, we will go we'll sit down in the client's office and we go and say, hey, let's map this out. The cool thing is, it's not as if we say to the client, hey, Here's an Excel file. We need you to populate this because that's just a pain in the neck. Nobody wants to do that. Instead, we say, listen, we understand that you probably have your data across five or six different business systems. However it flows, send it to us. We'll clean it up. We understand. We have mm -hmm. a team of guys that are data scientists that really understand this. They've gotten good at it. And no matter how it comes in, in whatever disparate form, we'll set it up, connect it. And then Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. And then you're actually able to get your emissions on demand. And so like we can either connect directly to your business system or if some IT tyrant says that's never going to happen, then guess what? We can use a third party FTP. And at least from our experience, that's generally okay. And we got, you know, we're type two, SOC two compliance and all those fancy things. How are they, how are they tracking uh, or getting the data on emissions specifically today? Right. So regardless of wherever it's living, where like what is the original source for that that you guys are seeing with these companies? So most of them use consultants. Okay. So the EPA reporting deadline in the US is March 31st. And so what happens is come January, they'll hire a consulting firm. They'll pay the guy, I don't know, anywhere between fifteen and five hundred grand, depending on the size of the company. Mm -hmm. And the consultant will spend three months going around and tracking, you know, the pneumatics and the flare stacks. And the EPA has emission factors that they've assigned to pieces of equipment. So, you know, your run hours on a, on, on a compressor or the amount of flaring that you did. And they say, okay, well, if you ran it for this period of time, your emissions was X. Or if you flared this amount, your emissions was Y. And everybody, including the EPA, knows that that isn't, isn't right. But frankly, it's a fair way of doing it because it, you know, levels the playing field and it makes some level of reporting possible. Now the EPA is actually somewhat, this is, you know, I would say that the, the, the emission factors they've established are good enough for government. But in what is not normal about government here is that they've said, if you've got different emission factors, you can use your own so long as you explain them. And some companies do, they've come up with their own emission factors because they say, look, the EPA doesn't differentiate between a pneumatic that's 10 years old with, new with no maintenance on it versus one I bought yesterday. And that certainly has a different emissions profile. Um, so they start coming up with their own. Or you've got some really cool companies out there that are doing, you know, continuous monitoring. You know, I'm sure, you've, I'm sure you know Project mm -hmm. Canary comes to mind where they've got continuous monitoring on location, et cetera. What's cool about Orion is, and I know the word is a bit played out. I understand that in software space. Orion is? No, no. The word platform. Oh, right. platform. But, 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 I was like, uh, no, Orion's not. Um, <laughs> or at least I hope not. Um, but uh, the word platform is, and, and we really did, though, build a platform. Insofar as, by that I mean, we're agnostic. 
if you want to use the EPA emission factors, that's the that's the default. But if you're if you're overseas, you you don't care about the EPA. And that's too strong. You may not want the EPA. Maybe you want the API compendium, which we also have in there. Or maybe you've got your own emission factors. We've got a custom model set up so you can pull in your own emission factors. Or if you've got continuous monitoring on location, whether that's a, a canary or a bridger or some other company, all that data can come in and then you can visualize it and model it and export all of it very easily. It's all on an open data layer to a Power BI or a Spotify or a Tableau, or even Excel, whatever you've got. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes it way easier from the data side, we'll spend you know anywhere between two weeks to maybe two to three months doing all of the implementation. We do it. We don't throw it onto the company. And then from there, it's set. And once it's set, companies can get their data as often as they want. And so the data will generally come at that point from a production system. To go back to your question of where, they, where it comes from today, the consultant will go around and collect it, oftentimes by doing physical counts of, of equipment, looking at production, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's wild to me that that's like all done by consultants. I mean, it makes sense, but it's like it's I, wild to me I, that that's eighty plus percent of EMPs are using consultants. That's crazy. But because you know, again, if you're being completely candid about the whole thing, as we sit here today, on what's the date? I don't even know. The date. I don't know. Twenty fifth. I think. The, yeah, the twenty. The 20 I got it right. The, that's right. The twenty fifth of August in twenty twenty three. You know, there isn't a carbon tax in the majority of the United States, like California, yeah. notwithstanding. You know, methane's coming, but it's not here today. You've had to report, though, to the EPA for some time. Well, what's the easiest way to get this done? Like, without dedicating, you know, a full-time equivalent to doing this or hiring somebody, you can pay a third party to do it. And that makes sense, you know? And so what we've done, though, is what, what we started to see are companies that some were ahead of the curve. Some, some simply wanted a software solution instead of hiring a consultant. Great. Like I said, we got TurboTax there. But some were, were slightly ahead of the curve as well, thinking about things like, well, there's, you know, there's, there's a methane tax coming around the corner. We know it's coming. You know, The administration said, this is what it's going to be. We need to think about, as we make decisions, what does that look like? And what you're able to do with Orion is sort of model out you know, your 2023 uh, emissions versus the 2024 proposed rule changes. I mean, hell, we even took the SEC stuff that was supposed to come out last October and will be out this October, allegedly, mm -hmm. and, we, and we productized it. We went through the whole 400-page document and put it there. I don't have any clients using it because it doesn't technically exist yet, but uh, it's there because it's coming around the corner. You do the same thing for the IRA and the implications for EMPs? Yeah. Everything. So we've, 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 we've thought through all this and tried to make it as easy as possible for EMPs or majors or just mom and pops, service companies. We've got, we actually have some midstream operators. We've got, uh, we actually have a construction company. Um, we built it for the oil and gas industry, but yeah. you know, the construction company was like, hey, I can use this you know, from a marketing perspective. Um, so it, 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 it's pretty cool and it's, it's done well. And as far as like from, you know, a sales cycle goes, it's a lot faster. You know, the, the, the reservoir product is, is really impressive in what its capabilities are. Um, but it takes a long time to, you know, meet with engineers and go mm -hmm. through it. And, you know, reservoir engineers are notoriously complicated people to sell into because they're really, really smart. And they want to spend a lot of time understanding every in, out, and what have you on any product they're looking at, which makes sense, yeah. especially when you're talking about, you know, 
an asset that's worth oftentimes hundreds of millions of dollars that they're going to start making adjustments to in the field. You know, if you're going to run a slick line unit out there to change the valve, like you want to make sure you're doing the right thing. And so it makes sense on the, on the greenhouse gas side though, first of all, the price point is so much lower. You know, it's oftentimes right with, I mean, we don't really have budgetary issues with it. We've tried to put it at a place that, you know, just makes sense, makes easy sense, shoe in. Easy. You're not stuck. Not, being, not the first thing that gets cut whenever they have budget cuts. <laughs> no, and like and and again, maybe being overly, you know, I, I, I am the head of sales, but I'm not a very good sales guy because I came up through finance, if that tells you anything. But uh, you know, our our secret sauce, if you will, is just to get into the workflow. The product works well. We've gotten really positive feedback on it. We've been we've been doing it now for several years. The only clients we no longer have, ones that you know, churn or whatever you want to call them, are ones that got bought by bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And those companies we're trying to talk to. And, you know, it's tough to get into some of the biggest companies in the world. Um, so you know, it's it's always good when clients don't fire you. That's generally a positive when they renew. Yeah, it's typically a good positive. Signal. Generally a positive thing. So that's how we we we've worked it so far. And you know, I mean, it's something that I think we're all really proud of because we built it from whole cloth. In fact, we had at a, at a conference here in Houston a few months back, I think it was May, the, the carbon conference, we had um, one of our clients, Denbury, uh, mm-hmm. stand up on stage and said, look, this is the product the oil and gas industry needs, which isn't shocking because they played a pretty crucial role in helping us build it out to mm-hmm. get all the things that were necessary. And we spent a lot of time and money building this product out for operators. And then hopefully, as if Exxon buys them, you guys can get into Exxon and expand through there. Hey, from your lips to God's ear. Yeah, let's, let's, let's. <laughs> I'm curious on the EOR side. So a couple questions. Let's just kind of talk macro. Um, what is the, what do you, what do you believe is like the TAM of like EOR operators? Well, I think today something around 60 to 65% of world oil is still produced using some EOR methodology, okay. most of which is water flood. Okay. So if you assume there's, you know. That's much higher than I expected. Yeah. 90-something million barrels a day is your daily production. What about here in the States? Lower. Mm-hmm. Considerably. You still have some big ones. Yeah. Um, Chevron, Oxy. Conical. Other place. Yeah. So Oxy is really big. In, Bunch of steam in, floods in out in California. Um, yeah. yeah. And there's steam floods out in California. Bakersfield's a big one. You've got Imperial up in Canada with Exxon. But uh, Conoco is, a, you know, we put out a press release with them. Uh, well, a little under a year ago, they're they're a large client of ours, and they've got um, they've got some really big water floods, and they've got some some wag, some water alternating gas as well uh, here in the U.S. I mean, in the U.S. you hear a lot about frack, right? Um, particularly, you know, shale, mm-hmm. and so you know you don't you're not generally going to use a water flood in shale, and water flood doesn't work for gas. Yeah, you know, <laughs> um, but globally. And most of our revenue on the EOR side does come from outside the United States as a result. Even if the company's based here, their their asset may be outside the United States. Um, it's still significant. We have a mm-hmm. fair bit of revenue come from the Middle East and Latin America. Um, you know, in fact, we put out an SPE paper, one of our coolest success stories. There's a company called Pan American Energy out of Argentina. Um, it's a BP joint venture with an Argentine company. Mm-hmm. And they saw a 15% increase in both production and reserves. And so if you think about that for a moment, this is a software solution. Their, 
their ROI was the equivalent of drilling multiple wells mm -hmm. just by using software. And if you're, if you're showing that the, the reserves have more than what you had originally anticipated for one, the company valuation goes up, your borrowing capacity for- Massive. There's a, there's a lot of implications for that. You know, and, and, and granted, this was a really complicated field. You're talking like, you know, 80 something layers or something like that. I don't remember exactly. It's all in the SPE paper, but you know, doing the sweep that we were able to do with the water flood, it showed, wow, this is oil that we didn't think was accessible that actually is accessible. Um, so it's recoverable reserve uh, and it increased. So that, I mean, that, that was really cool. So we've published a bunch of, of papers. Um, overall, Tam, you know, you'll catch me lying here. I want to say that when these guys uh, pitched the company 10 years ago, it was something like, you know, $200 billion that was still accessible for water flood. It's a lot. It's a, it's a big number. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, I would gladly take, uh, you know, 1% of that. I don't think I'd be <laughs> thrilled. Tickled pink. Yeah. Know? No, absolutely. I think EORs, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people refocusing on that as, I've talked about this a billion times. People are probably tired of hearing this, but, you know, we're not discovering a new, a new Permian. Here in no. the states anytime soon and so you know with with that but then also on the equation side with like refracts and stuff like it's getting more out of what we've already drilled so I, I think that's a really really important concept for people to sort of to, to wrap their heads around because no you're certainly not going to go discover a new permian i mean i i don't believe <laughs> yeah um but also there's an enormous amount of cost that goes into drilling. And risk. And risk. That's exactly right. And there's, you know, a lot less cost and risk in getting more out of what you've already got. I mean, you know, one of the old sayings in our industry is, you know, where's the best place to find oil? Where you've already found oil. Yeah. So, you know, like one of the products that, one of the things that Acheon does is it helps with infill drilling. You know, like, where's the next hole you should poke in the ground? We'll tell you that. You know, the, 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 the technology allows you to use the data physics to really understand the reservoir in ways that today, I think, classic, you know, simulators, numerical, streamline, whatever, don't do. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that when it comes to just the, the, the sheer size of the industry, and the amount of existing oil fields, sure, you can go in and spend millions of dollars on licenses for classic simulators from, you know, the likes of SLB or CMG, Landmark at Halliburton, whatever. And that, that, that makes sense, especially if you're going to drill, you know, a couple hundred million bucks, you know, pop a couple holes in the Gulf. Like, you probably do want to have a 4D model in it. If you've got a field that's been producing for 40 years, mm -hmm. you need to spend a year with a millions of dollars on a reservoir simulator? I, I, I don't think so. You just made me have a question that I've never really thought about before. Does EOR exist offshore? Sure, absolutely. We've got- we've, Tell me more. I have mean, <laughs> never thought about that before. Yeah, no, I mean, one of our, some of our most successful projects right now are offshore. We're operating in the largest, uh, largest offshore field in, in China and okay. had really, really good success there. The, the, 
our technology, you know, again, being to be frank, is best suited when there are more wells, not less. So the challenge with a technology like ours offshore would be, let's say you've got, you know, three wells off the platform and one injector. Well, there's not a whole lot to optimize. I mean, the best way to describe it would be to think about, I'm trying to think of a, a good analogy here. Okay, so let's say you've got a 10 story building, okay? And you say, how many people in the building? I say, well, there's a thousand. And you say, okay, well, a thousand people, how many of them are women? 400. Okay, well, how many of those 400 women are managers? 200. How many of those women managers are on the third floor? 10. How many of those women managers on the third floor are above the age of 65? Two. Okay, well, you've narrowed it down to a point where there's so many constraints on what we're trying to do that there's only so much we can do. Mm. You only have what, what our technology does is it allows us to sit there and look at all the different wells and how they communicate with one another and, you know, make recommendations or you can, you know, as you use the technology yourself, you'll be able to run simulations or run different scenarios, a better word, uh, to say what happens if you change injection rates here or shut off this injector there, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if you only have one injector, two injectors, there's 20 total wells, there's just so many constraints on it that we can't do much. Whereas if it's a field that's got a lot more wells, we can do more. So that's the one area, at least as it relates to our technology offshore, that becomes a challenge if mm. it's a field that doesn't have a lot of wells in it. Now, there are some huge fields offshore with tons of wells, and then we're very successful. Yeah, that's wild to think about. Yeah, I think uh, offshore is absolutely fascinating to me. I just think, I mean, you're just talking about, I mean, it's big money, it's big volumes uh, of production. Yeah, you've got you've got some companies that are very substantial in terms of like valuation and production numbers with a very small number of wells. Yes. Like we're talking like 12 wells, but these 12 wells produce a shit ton. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, there are some extremely prolific oil fields that have a very small number of wells. Offshore. I mean, you know, some of these things will produce massive amounts of oil on a day rate. No question about it. Um, and that's awesome. And, and, you know, then they should buy our Orion products so they can track their emissions. That's independent <laughs> of the number of wells, right? But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think on the EOR side, offshore, onshore, as long as the, and we'll, t and we, and we'll tell the client that and we'll look, we'll sit down and look at what they've got and, and try and make an honest assessment of, look, is our technology right for this field? And we've told people no before. You know, look, it, we had a client in the Middle East a few years back say, look, you know, this is a dead oil field. We want to use your technology to see if it's alive. And we're like, no, but dead oil field. We don't think it's going to be alive. And they're like, no, 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 we want you to do it. So we debated internally. So we'll, we'll try. And what was our outcome? It's a dead field. I mean, there was no, we're not, we're not magicians. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't claim to be, you know, we're not one of the big changes in the company to go back where I said a few minutes ago is that we're not charismatic founders that can go, you know, sell you the moon, the earth and the stars. We're operators. You know, we're, we're trying to run a profitable business that delivers a product of value in a way that makes our customers happy. That's yep. really our, our, our main focus. And, by and large, I think we're, we're pretty successful with that. 
you know, I mean, at the same time, as I'm sure you know from other people you talk to and your time in the industry, there's no guarantees in this business. I had, I had a, a client say to me a few weeks back, we were talking about renewing the EOR side. He says, now we're going to go run these, these suggestions, you know, that you guys came up with the recommendations, you know, change rates here, there for, for a CO2 flood. Can you guarantee me they'll work? I mean, it's, it's there's it, no guarantees in this space. I was like, come on, man. Like, can I, you, you ever drill a dry well? I yeah. mean, like, this is, this is geology. Like, I, can I guarantee you? No. I mean, we, we, we think it's a high probability it'll work. Yes. But what's the other nice thing about the, the our, our, our EOR product is that it doesn't require a bunch of, you know, well logs and all the geology and all that stuff. We could do a lot with, you know, your production history, some pressure data, maybe a lat long here or there. But we can do a lot with that. And I think that makes it easier for the clients as well because mm -hmm. we don't need you to go and spend a week pulling data for us. Yeah. That, that isn't helpful, right? Give me, give me an hour of your time, maybe two if we're looking at 20 plus years. But generally seven to 10 to 12 years is enough data on the EOR. Yeah, side, yeah. So. so before we wrap up, what's the, what's the future hold for you guys? Ah, oh, man, I mean. It's a great opening question. I know, right? Let's be saying. the biggest company on the planet. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, I think, I think, like I said, we're operators. We want to keep on growing the business steadily. We want to keep on doubling revenue on an, on an annualized basis. And most importantly, we want to keep on giving customers what they want. I mean, as far as Orion goes, I think we can expand beyond oil and gas. I mean, I think the TAM on Orion by itself is, you know, by 2026, probably 10 billion. Um, mm -hmm. If you ask CNBC, they would tell you it's three or four times that, but. <laughs> in my own little way, I do math. It, it came up to about 10, and that's just in the next three years. Um, in the Acheon space on the, on the EOR side, I think it's also super, super large because most of our clients were only in either one of their fields or a part of several of their fields, and the expansion capabilities are just massive there. And that's mm -hmm. what we're trying to do is to continue to just and, – and we're being pretty successful with that by – selling into a company and then selling more products to that company and expanding. And maybe that's sort of like the old Schlumberger way or maybe the new SLB way, I don't know, but, <laughs> but we've taken that approach and it's been successful. I mean, I think, you know, from a growth perspective, we're, 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 we're on track. We obviously want to grow more um, yeah. and we'll continue to do it. Love it, man. Dude, this has been a great conversation on the mic and then enjoyed the chat beforehand. Yeah. Uh, if people want to reach out, uh, I'm assuming tachyus.com. Yeah, tachyus.com. Okay. Get me at mattatachyus.com will work. Um, yeah, info daggers.com, any way you want to go. But yeah, we're, we're perfect. Love it, man. No, this has been, it's been great to, to kind of catch up and, and learn more about, you know, new management has come in, really a new vision for the company, but also, you know, the new products on the, on the G&G &G side. So um, it's exciting. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time. Absolutely, man. If you guys like the episode, take two seconds, leave a rating review, share with your friends. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Cut, 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 cut.